church. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, we had a wonderful week last week. So um, a week and a half ago, uh, I was teaching at a camp, and we were getting ready to go into service. Well, in fact, we had just gone into service, and I got a, a text message from our student pastor, Ethan, that said, uh, call me when you can, please. So I responded. I said, hey, man, I said, I'm just stepping into a session. I said, you know, you need me? And I, like immediately, as soon as I sent that message, it just said, yes, camp is canceled. Let me step outside for a second and talk to you. So uh, I called him, and so the, the camp that we were registered for, I've gone to for years and years and years, uh, they actually had a few staff members, about three staff members that have been fully vaccinated but tested, ended up testing positive for COVID. And since that was kind of an anomaly, they called health department and uh, said, well, just our suggestion to you is until we kind of figure out what's going on, um, just shut down. And they had been closed the week prior because they had um, a couple of cases that they knew that were at the camp, so they had to take some precautions on that. So Wednesday night, I'm, 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 I'm out of town, and, and we got students. And, and we know parents plan, but I, do, I would never want to tell a student, hey, we got nothing for you next week. So first thing we did, we just took some time on the phone together, we just prayed. Because um, I think sometimes we, we say we trust the Lord, but you know, we have to practically trust him and ask him for his guidance and ask him to guide us because nothing catches him by mistake, even though it catches us totally off guard. So, so we, we prayed over it. We talked through some different connections that we both have, and we started calling a couple places. And there were some camps that I thought, man, we could get in there, no problem. Then I thought, ooh, not that place, though. <laughs> right? Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's some places you know, you know what, we could get in there quick to eat. And you're like, eh, let's take a while. Let's, let's go somewhere good. So as we were going through all that, um, long story short, three hours from the time that he got the call from the guy that's over that ministry that they were canceling, within three hours, we were enrolled in a different camp. Um, it's a newer camp. Uh, they've only really been doing their full program for about four or five summers. Um, and it is, it's, it's not, they, they call it a mountaintop experience. And if you've ever been to a summer camp, especially with your youth group, it, we, we know what that experience is like. But I didn't realize they actually meant it two ways. One spiritually and then one literally. Um, when I was in the cabin, when I used the restroom, I think that was the only time I was on level ground all week. Right now, um, if I drop to the ground, it's just a calf injury. It's a cramp. If I drop to the ground during the sermon, I promise you, I'll get back up or I'll just preach from the ground. Uh, but we had a great time. Um, it was an awesome camp. I mean, this what we we had. I mean, there was crazy just adventure stuff. We just had a blast. Uh, we really appreciate you as a church um, praying for us because um, at this camp, the 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 theme for the week was was one, and they spent a lot of a lot of the week coming out of Ephesians two. So we began the week talking about identity in Christ. Um, then out of identity, we talked about how we, we derive our purpose out of our identity. So we looked at how that works um, in Christ, but we also talked about how if our identity is not correct, then our, then our life's purpose won't be there. And, out of, and, and then launching out of purpose, we spent some time on Wednesday really in this, this mindset and an understanding of forgiveness. And then ended the week. And I just really appreciated the heart and the gospel-centeredness of it, talking to the students about unity, about how an identity in Christ is the one thing that can bring us together as people. No, no matter life experience, background, demographic, it can bring us together as people in, in, in the only 
productive, really peace-giving way. I'd love, to, I'd love for you to be able to spend a whole week with us, but just to kind of give you a little bit of a teaser, if you wouldn't mind, I think we've got um, um, some video clips we've got put together for this morning just to kind of let you know what some of our students have been up to this past week. Yeah, we have got just some of the greatest students in all the world. Man, parents, man, it's just a pleasure. When the summertime rolls around, just to be able to, to have you trust us enough to spend time and invest in your kids. I want to say thank you so much for that. Just a few points of clarification. <clears throat> of, of all that stuff, if you thought, man, that looked high, we, well, we were zoomed in. Um, it was higher than it looked. Um, but just a po- couple points of clarification. Our, our girls that you saw going over that wall, we set the camp record. Well, not we. I didn't participate. They got 17, I think it was 17 girls over in a minute and 35 seconds. They obliterated the camp record. There were some boys who had some real feelings hurt, but we... Um, I'd be honest with you, we didn't even say anything to them. We just laughed. Um, it was it was great. And the second thing, if you saw, there was three guys that went back up on the screen on the swing. Um, they did not as as they claimed they went all the way as high as they could go. But I was standing there while it was happening. It was not as high as it could go. But in the middle of that was our student pastor who screamed and yelled for mercy on that swing. To the point that I almost contemplated calling the elders while I was there going, we may need to have a meeting when we get back. Like that, that, there, was not, there was not a need for that much screaming. But we had, we had a wonderful week. Um, let's, jump into, let's jump into scripture this morning. We're in this adulting series. Um, and, and I want to I say this. So of the last four weeks of my life, three of them have been at camps. And I, I think um, we, we always look at those kind of experiences um, in, in similar ways. I, I talk to a lot of parents who are excited about their students going off. Um, and, and they know what they're getting ready to experience, and I know what I'm getting ready to experience. And, and, and camp, for me, highlights something that I think is almost potentially dangerous in the Christian life. And I think to have an, a, an adult perspective on this is so, so helpful. Because I even think it shows up dangerously sometimes on Sunday mornings. We as believers, I think, sometimes rely so much on created environments for our spirituality and our growth that if we're not careful... Will 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 underperform. You know what it means to underperform. It means to when when we underperform that there is a potential within us that is greater than what comes out on a regular basis. Um, you you've probably like I have at some point in your life underperformed. You've probably known people. You've probably been frustrated at people who underperform because you know they can do so much more than what we're doing. Uh, one of our middle school students. Um, his name's Diego. Now, um, Diego and I have some strong similarities. Um, we, our eyes are wide open all the time um, with everything that's going on. Um, and, and, and both of us um, have to get called to attention at some time. Sometimes you get a little bit of a wondering eye. Me and Diego have two wondering eyes, right? We, we're just, we're trying to take it all in all the time. So through this week, you know, Diego's the kind of kid where, I mean, he's just, he's always on his way somewhere. Uh, in fact, I one day I stopped him. He had passed me like three times. And in my mind, I'm like, there's really no reason for him to have passed me three times where, I'm, where I was sitting at the moment because there's not enough stuff on either side of me to keep going back and forth. And I said, Digo, I, I finally stopped him. I said, Digo, where are you going? And he just looked at me, eyes wide open. He said, somewhere. <laughs> All right, Diego, I hope you have good luck getting there, buddy. Um, so on, I think it was Thursday, I think it was Thursday we did this game. No, I'm sorry, it was Wednesday. So they told us at the beginning of the week they said, all right, look, we're going to do a game one evening 
and, and it's going to be, um, it's going to, it's going to have hot sauce in it. And, and if you get some questions wrong, you got to eat this hot sauce. Well, I don't, I don't do a lot with hot sauce. I pretty much have like, I, I live in the box of Texas Pete. That's where I live. That's my safe zone. That's where I like to stay. Okay. So, um, they, if you do hot sauce, I don't really know what this means. I, um, just in their explanation, they said, okay, whatever the scale is that they rate hot sauce on, they said, okay, a ghost pepper is like one million units of whatever. So this hot sauce was supposedly like the sixth hottest one in the world. It was like six million whatevers. So I guess that means it's hot. And by their reaction, I clearly could tell that it meant it was hot. So this whole thing is a trivia-based game. So they asked for volunteers. There's five teams on this camp. And, man, students are just rushing up there. Now, in all fairness, you think, man, that sounds kind of mean. The, the bottle of hot sauce, the logo of the everything was up on the screen. You knew what you were getting into. In fact, the camp director came up and said, I need, a, I need an out loud confirmation that you agreed to play this game. So I thought, okay, this hot sauce is hot. Diego rushes up there. We were partnered, our guys were partnered with another group um, that, that came from a different church, and it was a group of um, high school girls, and they had a girl that wanted to go up there. So we were actually, Ethan and I were actually trying to get Diego to come back to give them a turn because we thought, and in my mind, and honestly, I thought myself, at this, at this point in the week, as much as my brain is bouncing off everywhere, I probably don't need to be playing trivia. And, and, and I didn't know how trivia awesome Diego was. He's up there, we're trying to get, we, we, we lost the chance. Diego, he's already, claimed, he's already announced his team name. He, he's in this game. Diego sits at the table. So, all right, let's see how this trivia game is going to go. First question pops up. Boom. Who's the seventh president of the United States? Pow. Andrew Jackson. What just happened? Was that Diego? Was that Diego that just answered that question? I mean, it, it shocked the people running the game. They weren't even ready for it. Like, they were, I guess, going to do like an on your mark, get set, go. Now, there was, a, there was a bunch of questions in this game that were about the mountain that we were on. Now, in the, the majority of students that were there, besides us, were from that Lynchburg, Bedford area. They knew, like, they knew this stuff. We didn't know nothing about this mountain. So Diego did not get those questions. But those were questions that everybody else was kind of competing for. And one girl, I'm just going to say it, if you're watching this morning, you were cheating. I saw you. We all knew it. Um, and, and so I'm sitting there going, okay, we got two students up there, and I'm like, and, and one of our girls, Mia, she was in there, and she was, but, but you could tell Mia had already processed through. If I only answer the questions I'm absolutely sure about, I won't have to eat that hot sauce. She stayed in her lane. She, they said, what is Monica's last name on Friends? She said, Geller, I'll answer that one, right? And then she got that one. The questions that Diego was hitting on, they said, all right, you know, name the planets in order starting from either farthest or nearest to the sun or whatever. I mean, Boom, rolls through them. We're like, whoa, Diego, what, like, what's going on here? And, and, and it didn't just start there. I mean, it was, um, name the date that the Titanic sunk. Diego. I'm going, what? who is this guy right now? Like, like, this is the same guy that just said, I'm going somewhere. And now he's like, Mr. Trivia. I mean, he's, he's ruling this game. Then it came up, and it was like, who was Henry VIII's first wife? And I'm like, what is this? And he's like, Psh, Catherine of Aragon. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm go I don't even know if that's right. I'm just cheering at this point. I'm not even sure that he got, well, we do know that he got the ones right. He got right because when he was, when he was answered, they had the answers. But the people running the, right, running the game didn't know them well enough to know if he was right on some of them. <laughs> Three quarters of the way through the game. I'm not joking. They stopped the game trying to figure out if we were cheating. 
I mean, he was answering questions, and people on stage were like, like they're all like I think it was all high schoolers, predominantly like juniors and seniors. Diego was going into the eighth grade, and he was dominating the game. He did miss, miss three questions, and and as quickly as he answered the other ones, he grabbed his chip, ate it, chewed it, swallowed it, and kept going. Only when he was given a cup of water did it actually start bothering him. I was like, man, and 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 after that, I pulled him aside. I said, Diego, so I need you to know, son, you're a camp legend now. I said, this place will never forget you. But I also told him, I said, Diego, you have no idea how my expectations for you just went through the roof. Like you can no longer answer a question, where are you going? Somewhere. No, I need detailed answers from now on. In fact, I actually think you should be able to give me the coordinates on GPS of where you're going. And, and, and when we played that game, I'm talking, our group was going crazy. And you look at that game and go, and, and, and I laugh because I talk to parents, and some parents are like, hey, my kid, you know, sometimes it's kind of a tough time. You don't even know how your kids are really doing in school, what's like really seeping in. And I'm listening to Diego give these answers, and I'm like, man, Diego, you got a lot in you, bro. Like, that was sneaky good. And I did. I really meant it. I thought, Diego, man, I'm telling you, I got confidence in you like anything. I mean, I thought, I mean, I was asking Diego all kinds of questions for the rest of the week. I didn't even know if he knew. I just assumed he did. Because no longer was Diego ever going to have a chance of flying under the radar or underperforming. Um, but in reality, I think for us, sometimes, sometimes we do. This passage we're going to look at in 2 Peter this morning, chapter 1, um, gives some evidence, I think, to us on um, some warnings to make sure that as adults we don't underperform. And we don't rely on stuff like created environments for us to grow spiritually. That We, we own it and we realize that, um, that the life we live matters. Um, and there's some really important things that we need to really understand in this. Um, I'm going to start at the first of the chapter. And as we're reading this, I, I'm going to start just by reading a portion of verse 1. Because I do, I do want you to understand it's, it's very important, I believe, in this passage to know who the audience is. Because when you're, when you're studying Scripture, um, and I would even say that. When you're studying Scripture, if you're doing a passage study, a book study, if you're just doing a devotion. When you read a passage, um, please always find out who is the audience. Because that tells you great things about what you can and can't apply to your life or to my life. Does that make sense? Um, if a passage of scripture is written to a lost person and you're saved, then, then you can't just say, okay, that's my verse. Because if you are in Christ, then that verse is talking to someone that's not. This particular passage is talking to those that are saved. Now, if I, if I, as I say that this morning, that doesn't mean that this message is not for you if you don't know Christ. In fact, I would ask you just to lean in, to listen to what, what's, the, what's some of the language and expectations of the kingdom as you're really seeking who Jesus is and what his word means for you. In verse 1 it says this, To those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. The audience is saved people, people that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, um, when we say saved people, that's a pretty big umbrella, right? Because for some of us, we go, hey, I'm, I'm saved. I've, I've been saved for X number of years, but maybe I've, I've walked a little bit unfaithfully. Or and sometimes we say, yes, I know Jesus, and, and right now I'm as close to him as I, I, I've ever been. That We understand that that may take in a big umbrella of people, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, God's word is tough enough and can stretch far enough and was strong enough to, to cover a massive group of people regardless of where they are at in their journey, their growth with him. Verse 3, power has given us everything required for life and godliness. 
Isn't that good news? Man, I, I mean, it, it, because if you're saved, if you're a Jesus follower, if, if you know Christ, if you realize that your identity is in Him, then you realize that your life is called to a great purpose. And, and we want to live full and godly lives. We want to live in a way that we emulate Jesus to the whole world around us. And the good news is, is that we will not lack resourcing for that. But I think sometimes we've, we've begun believing a lie that, that either we're not good enough or we're not smart enough to get it. And that's, that's an absolute lie. Or we believe this lie. Well, you know, it just, it just, it's just inside of me, and, and as soon as I get saved, it's just there, and, and, and I guess if I need it, it'll just be there. Please listen to this full verse, okay? His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The only way, the only way that we're going to have everything that we need is through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That means this, even being saved is just not enough to be able to live the way that Jesus wants us to live. Just beginning that relationship, it doesn't just magically happen just because we say a prayer. We have to grow in our knowledge of Christ if we're ever going to be able to live the life that, in fact, he's calling us to live. Which means this, ignorance is a great enemy to realizing the life God has designed for us, those of us who are in Christ. That's, that's, you, you want to know the definition spiritually of living below our potential? Coming to Christ in faith? And then just living a life absent of real time, studying the word and really meditating on the truth of God's word and really looking at the life of Jesus deeply to know who he is and, and figuring out why, why do you do the things you do? You ever, you ever just known someone that they just completely confused you but they intrigued you at the same time and you just really want to know why do you do what you do? We're supposed to look longingly at Jesus with those kind of just, just, just gaze eyes of just wanting to know more and more and more. Because only through the knowledge of Jesus are we going to be able to receive the divine power to be able to live a godly life. I've got this great tool at home. I don't even know when I picked it up, um, but it was like it was on a probably a Black Friday special or a Christmas sale or something like that. Um, you ever just go through Home Depot and you're just like, I need that. That's just going to be convenient to have that. Um, there's a, it's a, it looks, if you just grabbed it out of, a, out of a tool drawer at my house, you would think it was like a, it was a drill or something, but it's not. It's actually just, it's, it's an air gun, um, but it's got three different nozzles on it, and, and at this point, whether it's an air mattress, a beach ball, a floaty, no matter what it is, I, I, it's a Ryobi thing. I put, a, I put a, a, a lithium battery on the end of it that lasts forever. And I plug that thing up and I stick it in the side of whatever I don't want to have to have the lung power to blow up and just hit the trigger, hit it once, it just, I have to hold it, hit it twice, it even stays by itself until I click it again. It's awesome. And, and within, that, within that tool, when you, when you combine the power of that battery and, and, the, and the design of it, everything that I need is there to inflate something that I want to inflate. But unless I put the right nozzle on it, I'm never going to be able to get the air that I need from the gun into the, 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 the whatever the thing is. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm tired. This morning it's been a lot of camps, okay? To, to whatever, I'm never going to be able to get it inside of there unless the correct nozzle's on it. It's got to go through the correct nozzle to be able to get into that, to whatever that thing is that I want to blow up. Does that make sense? Without knowledge of Jesus, him, we're, we, we, won't have, we won't have what we need to live. In fact, a godly life that we know that we're called to live. We are destined, destined, even as believers, to underperform. 
if we don't grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is Peter. This is a guy who has failed at everything he could fail at um, and succeeded at everything he could succeed at. And just finally at the end of his life, he's like, you know what? I get it. I now know what the secret is, is to just, to just living for him. I mean, you would think if, if, if somebody could figure out a plan B after all those years, it would be Peter. But he's very clear about this. Now, um, it, it mentions that, that, that uh, we were called by his own glory and goodness. Um, verse 4, by these, when it starts out in verse 4, by these, it's referring to God's glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption. Now, notice, it doesn't say escaping the world. It says escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Now, um, I, I've, got, I've, got all, I've got tons of books, and I've got them a little bit of everywhere. We don't have an, like an office set up here at the church, so I've got a few books stashed some places. I've got some books and boxes. To be honest with you, they're in this building. Uh, I've forgotten totally where I put them. I've got books at home that Wendy probably would like for me to get out of where they are because they're just randomly stacked. But, but, but in those books, there are some great books I've, I've loved and I've, I've grown a lot out of. Um, but, but also kind of wedged in different places. If I look hard enough, I'll find one, some of these devotion books. Like You ever have one of these? Um, 30 Days of Promises from God's Word. And, and, and we get kind of like little books like that. And those are great. But you know what, I, I'm, what I'm scared of and when we pursue little books like that or when we kind of pursue a quick devotion? We're, we're looking for a promise of God to make us feel better. I want to pause on that for a second. We're looking for a promise of God to make us feel better. Here's an adulting perspective. Honestly, God, God didn't make promises to, to make you and I feel better. It says that we receive those promises so that we might, so that through them we may share in the divine nature. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. The promises that God has made us, the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ, the guarantees of God's word, they're not in there to just help me emotionally. They're there so that I can rely on Jesus. Because if God is a creative and holy and perfect God, um, and I want you to think about this, what kind of God are you believing in? If he's just a God that's just there when you need him, that's not a correct enough view of God for all of life's issues. We have to be careful that we're believing in the God that will always be there correctly based on who he says he is. And if God cannot lie, then his promises will always be true. And his promises in their truth are there so that I can share in, in who he is. Now, some of that is, is, is what I'm going to experience in, in eternity in heaven. But this passage is also going to explain to us how we share in that divine nature now as well because if you see the the comparison we want to participate in his nature but we're called to escape the corruption of this world because it's and it's there because of evil evil desires you know what evil desires are temptation we give in a temptation and it goes into sin that's what's ruling in the world culture that we're in um so a couple weeks back i was at a camp um at fort caswell and it's connected you know with oak island if you've ever been down there, and um, we went out Monday before we um, before we have any kind of staff meeting. We go. We I just we take our family out on Monday and we go to the beach. And um, there was some 
storms coming through that week. We were in there when some of the tropical winds and all that kind of stuff came through. So at the beginning of the week, we, we already had some pretty good current going on in the ocean. If you've ever experienced this, um, you, you go out, maybe you sit on the beach, maybe you go let the kids play in the water, um, or you just kind of go out there and kind of meander yourself. Um, we actually found, we found a whole sand dollar that day. I don't know if you've ever found one. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, that, I didn't say that because that was supposed to impress you. I mean, I know it's just a sand dollar, but, but in the 20 years that Winnie and I have been married, I didn't realize until we found one that day that she's been looking for one for basically 20 years. I didn't realize I was letting her down in that way too, but we found one at least that day. So um, as we're out there, um, I, I noticed something that I notice every time that we're in the beach, we're in the ocean, okay? Um, as I'm looking out at the water, I have to eventually do this. I have to go out to the edge of, my, uh, edge of the water, and, and I'm loud. And if you want to know how loud I am, I can be heard over ocean. I figured out that's how loud I am, okay? So I yell at my kids, my three sons, because as they're out there splashing around, wrestling around, doing everything they're doing, I yell at them because Wendy and I are on the beach. We're at a fixed point. We're not really moving. But they, they are, in their minds, just playing. They're just having fun. But in just their having fun, the current, pushes them away so I always do this I yell at them get their attention and I start I do this until they're far enough and then I say I hold up my hand they're at a good spot usually what I try to do is I try to get them past us because I know the current's going to take them back again does that make you you with me you've seen that happen okay that is what happens when we convince ourselves that spiritually we're saved, we're good, we don't really have to work in our faith to grow our faith, to understand more and more about Jesus, the, the current of the world culture, a sin culture, will eventually move us when we feel like we're standing still, when we feel like we're okay, I'm not doing that bad, we're, we're, we're getting by as a family, I'm getting by as an individual, I, I'm, I'm not that bad off, I, I'm, I'm holding my ground. You, we are never holding our ground unless we are growing in Christ. We are getting moved more than what we realize. Get moved more than what we realize. I've seen it myself when I have those wake-up moments where I'm like, just all of a sudden, you ever have that? A couple days go by and you go, well, have I, all right, have I, have I really prayed? I mean, really prayed? Over the last year, I've been busy, but have I really prayed and sought God over something? You ever get, get that kind of compelling inside of you that you need to be in the Word and you kind of go, all right, well, I know where the app is on my phone, but I'm not sure where the actual paper copy is, right? Because we just, we, we've kinda, we're kind of out of the habit. And when we get back in God's word, we realize it's almost a struggle getting back in. It, it feels tough. There's a lot of things that seem to be pulling at us. Because I'm, I'm telling you, if, if, and, and like in the ocean, if we're, not, if we're not swimming, if we're not moving ahead, then eventually, whether we realize it or not, we're going to end up drifting a lot farther than what we knew. And, and we're, called to, we're called to escape that kind of force. It doesn't, now, this verse, remember, I said, it doesn't say escape the world. Uh, Peter's not saying, hey, you can just exit stage left. We will be in this culture as long as we're alive. I don't believe we're, we're meant to run from the world culture. We're supposed to be able to engage spiritually with people throughout all of our life where God puts us. But, but we're, not, we're not keeping an adult perspective if we're letting ourselves believe it's not going to take real work and effort. But I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have any good relationships that don't take effort. Um, I, I, I don't. God's promises are not given to us so we will feel better. The gospel results in a unique peace because of who Jesus is. 
I don't want you to think that you aren't going to feel better because you, 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 when you read God's promises, you will. But the confidence is supposed to come in, in, in the fact that that promise is a promise because he's, he, he has glory and he has goodness and he is true. And Jesus is alive. That's what gives us peace. Now, what follows right now, I want, I want to kind of clue you in on something. What follows, um, because remember we just talked about we're supposed, to, um, we're supposed to escape the corruption. We're supposed to share in God's divine nature. Um, and verse 5 starts with these words, for this very reason. Okay, so, so because of who Jesus is, because that's the kind of nature we're supposed to share, because it's got to be knowledge that we've we got to be able to gain. We're supposed to really be called to live for him. For that reason, it's getting ready to give us some instruction. The things that he gives us here are not giving, are not given, um, I, there's no evidence that they're given in a specific order for a specific reason. But they're given in complementary relationships, I believe, to help us understand that, that if we just focus on one thing, then we'll, we'll, we'll trick ourselves to say, okay, well, well, I'm okay, we check the box off, and we'll, and we'll grow satisfied. And we'll grow content over something we shouldn't be content over. When we really grow in an area of our life, it's supposed to then be complemented by another area, which leads us to then now look at that area and how we can grow in that as well. Okay? So verse 5, for this reason, make every effort. Again, it's going to take work. Make every effort to supplement. Now, that word supplement means um, to complete or to enhance. It also means to furnish. Now, after 20 years of marriage, our house still looks like uh, um, if you really go, if you really want to critique somebody's house, or if you really want to feel good about how you decorate, come to our house. We still got college walls. You know what college walls are? Blank. We got whole stretches of sheetrock. It might get some paint, but it ain't got a whole lot of stuff on it. Because I have, I have a strategy called tap out. You, you, ever, you ever work that strategy? You, you, you work, you stay busy, you get home, you tap out. We have pictures. They're really good pictures. We have cute kids. They go through, they go through awkward ages, but we crop them out. I'm just, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. Um, some of y'all were like, oh, thank you. It's not just me. Um, but but we, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't have a lot of, you know, we don't have a lot of pictures on the wall. Um, we've got certain furniture and stuff that we, you know, we, we buy just like you guys do. I mean, you, you buy stuff, you replace it, you switch it out. But, but every, when I look at my walls, I always look at them and go, man, I, I, really, need to hang some, I really need to hang some pictures up on them. I really need to do that. Why? Because it, it, it complements it, it finishes it, it completes it, it furnishes it. That's the kind of concept that we're going through here in this passage. And, and, and notice what it says. Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness means virtue or moral character. Your goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So just kind of take, for example... Um, it, you know, how good, how good is self-control? Well, we would say, man, if somebody has self-control, that's great. But self-control is only really effective if it lasts. H have I really grown in Christ if I only have self-control today on Sunday, but I lose my junk on Monday? It's only good if it lasts. So it's, it, it's compliments. The, the, the life of, of Jesus, of a Jesus follower, is, is full um, it's really meant to be complete. It's meant for us to grow, but enhance it. And just say, you know, I, I'm not just going to work on just this one area, but, I, but I'm trying to see, God, the big picture of all that you want me to see in my life. Sorry, I'm trying to read a note. I, I, I wrote a couple notes on my side. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired. My eyes are, are struggling. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. So let me just read this this way. My life is meant 
to show the holiness of Jesus, not to emphasize the forgiveness of Jesus. So if you notice the things that it's really calling us to, it, it, it doesn't mention grace and forgiveness and all this. Not, not that those things aren't important. But, but as, it says, as it says in Romans 6, I'm, I'm saved by grace, and that grace is in forgiveness. So, so does it really do a lot of good if I just keep on sinning just so grace can abound? Like my life isn't supposed to be one of constant sin so that I can just highlight God's forgiveness. I'm supposed to grow in faithfulness with him. You know, as, as Christians, we are quick to say, we're quick to make statements like, you know what, you know, we're going to fail. But if we keep that mindset, are we not just creating escape plans for our decisions? If we just say, yeah, I'm going to make my mistakes. Well, yeah, inevitably we're going to sin. But if I, if I say to myself out loud and I speak the truth of I'm going to sin, you know what I'm probably going to do? Sin. We can't create that open door for us to just kind of easily walk through and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of my own prophet. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, okay, if you're taking notes if you, in your Bible or somewhere like that, if you want to write, that, I wrote the word growth over that, in increasing measure. Now, it's going to sound like in a minute that Peter almost kind of makes it sound like you can just reach perfection. He's clearly saying here that this is, this is a growth process in our journey. The ultimate divine nature is going to be complete in eternity, but, but this is about our, our growth journey with him. It says if you uh, possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you may sit here some Sundays and go, you know what, I think maybe that pastor is just a better Christian than I am. I promise you I'm not. In fact, um, if you'll spend enough time with me, I will prove it without question. You, you may think to yourself, you know what, I, I just, man, I, like, I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm probably just never going to be that kind of Christian. I'm probably not going to be the one that's going to serve in that way or be up front or, or, or just whatever it is. And, and again, we start kind of backing ourselves um, out of this thing. But, but this verse just clearly says this. If we are growing, if we are growing, it, it doesn't say you've got to be perfect to be used. It doesn't say you have, to, you have to figure everything out. You have to know the entire life of Jesus front to back to be useful. It says if you are growing, you will be useful. You won't be unfruitful. But again, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That there, there's an impossibility in Peter's understanding here through the gospel to say that there can actually be growth without Jesus. Growth without Jesus is a billion trillion dollar in, in industry. It's just called self-help. And I've read some great self-help books. And every self-help book reminds me that myself needs more help. The person who lacks these things, so this is, this is given us, again, remember this is still to save people. We haven't jumped over to the lost, this is still to save people. The person that lacks these things is blind. Now, when, when, we, when it gives the word blind, it's going to give blind from two perspectives, okay? I want you to listen to both these perspectives. It's blind and short-sighted. Now, short-sighted is, um, and, and this, I mean, it's, it's like nearsighted, okay? It's, it's, it, it, you're only seeing kind of what's immediately in front of you. Um, I, I, I like to think of this, this particular phrasing here this way. Um, I, if, if I'm short-sighted, I lack the ability to see the big picture that God wants me to see. Um, there's, a, there's a passage I was reading this week in 1 Kings 18, um, and, it, and it's um, God's people were going through a famine and a drought. And, and they were getting desperate. And then when they went through that, fam that, that famine and drought, we would assume, we would assume 
that their faithfulness to the Lord, their seeking the Lord increased. It just bottomed out. Because they were so focused on their immediate need that they lost sight of their spiritual lostness and failure. And because they were so focused on their desire for food and their desperation for money that they started worshiping anything and everything they could possibly put their eyes and hands on. And, and, and that's the danger of being short-sighted spiritually. If we can't see, God, what are you, what, big picture, who are you, what are you doing? That, that keeps us accountable to how do I handle this, this situation that's in the immediate circle that I'm standing in. You, you, ever, just, you ever get just so stressed out in what's going on, you, you, just, like, you almost feel your posture just like looking down. You just can't see anything beyond the mess that you're dealing with. Man, come on, somebody besides me. Like, am I the only messed up person in the room? Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, you, like this is a horrible, like, this is a big situation, and you're in the middle of it, and, and, and you, it's like you can't get any kind of peace, you can't get any kind of direction, anything like that, because we, we, we don't take time often enough and trust the Lord enough to go, Lord, I can let my hands off of this to see your bigness and see all of who you are and what you're up to and what you're calling me to live so I can get some perspective that's outside of this immediate thing. That's one kind of blindness. Here's the other kind of blindness. It says that, um, and they have forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. That person has forgot, they forgot where they came from. They forgot the original work that Jesus started to do. When we forget that we, remember, um, the Bible doesn't say, hey, you know what? You were a naughty kid. It doesn't say, hey, you were bad. The Bible says that we were dead, and, and, and the speaker this week that our, our students had at camp, he did such a good job of talking about, uh, the, in Scripture where it just says in Ephesians 2, you are dead in sins and trespasses. Salvation, the gospel says, we went from death to life. And when we, when we push that mentally out of, the, out of the inner workings of our thoughts and our mind and our decisions and our conversations, when we push that back, we forget that we're alive in Christ. And when we forget that, you know what we live like? We live dead. We live dead. We live with the weight of sin on us. We live with the weight of the cares of this world on us in a, in a very crippling way because we've forgotten that there is a Jesus that we can take all that to. And if we don't really learn who he is deeply and experiencing him regularly, we will absolutely, right? We will forget that we have that kind of relationship to take our mess. To, like, we, we, we forget it. And we live blind because we don't see him. Because we've forgotten him. The effect of spiritual blindness is, is very real. Uh, verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election now, I do, I do want to clarify something. So, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, um, Paul writes about, um, he, writes to the, he writes to the audience there, he tells them to test themselves to make sure that they're in Christ, okay? So, um, from, a, from a doctrinal standpoint, um, we will consistently teach from scriptural evidence security, of, eternal security of the believer in Christ, um, you may have heard it this way before, just as a common phrase, once saved, always saved. Okay, I agree with it. But, but to be always saved, first you have to be once saved. Okay, um, there, there isn't just kind of a casual movement into God's family. 
the believer is eternally secure. When Paul writes, test yourself in 2 Corinthians 5, he's writing to an audience where the evidence, the fruit of their life says that they're in fact not saved. And when the fruit of our life shows evidence that we aren't called, that we aren't passionate about our relationship with Jesus, that, that, that we are pursuing nothing but our own desires, whether we're saved or not, then the call of Scripture is to test ourselves, to really look at our own life and look at Jesus in the gospel and say, do I belong to you? Show me. Because if I belong to you, I'm certainly not acting like I, I do. Here in this, the audience is Christians. So here, Peter is writing to this audience, and he says to confirm. In other words, um, the way that you live, the way that we live, shows agreement with who Jesus says we are in him. It, we're not confirming it like, okay, did I, did I do good today? Did I show self-control? Okay, yeah. So if I showed self-control at, at Walmart where there was everything but self-control, then I must be saved. No, this says that, that our lifestyle should just confirm that we are in Christ. It says because, we're supposed to do this because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, when it says never stumble, don't get excited. It doesn't mean that you can't sin. Peter acknowledges all through his writings, through his own life, that sin is definitely possible for those that are in Christ. This, this stumbling here refers, I believe, to um, this sense of that we will not, we will not fall away. We will, not, we will not lose our way. We will not distance ourselves. Did, did, you, did you catch that? Because the word never is included in that statement. We can't, we can't as believers create, create. And it just breaks my heart because I've, I've done it myself. I've created this thing of, you know what, I'm not perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail, I'm going to mess up. And, and I, just, I just open the doors to just moving myself back away from Jesus. When, when the truth of Scripture, because of who Jesus is, not because of my goodness, but because of who Jesus is, means that if I can live a life, you can live a life where we never fall away from him. Never. And for some of us, we're like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what that means. You know why I believe that we don't know what that means? Because we've never truly lived close enough to him long enough to fall in love with that. We've got to experience that to know the sweetness and, and, and the wonder of never. We've got to experience that first. Verse 11 says, for in this way, Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Therefore, I will always, I, I, like, I like how Peter just goes ahead and just kind of says, all right, here, and, and at this point, Peter really felt like he was at the end of his life, but, but with the window of time that he had left, th this is what he just went ahead and confessed to all his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's like, look, if you think I'm going to shut up about this, you pick the wrong dude. Okay, you ready? He says this, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in, them, in the truth you now have. He basically says this, Listen, I realize that right now you may be getting this right, but this is so vital that I will never stop talking about this with you. If you've ever wondered in your lifetime, man, why do I hear so many sermons on certain things, or why does this pastor, this pastor, speak often on this subject? There are absolutes that we just can't get enough away from, and, and 
Sunday morning is not meant to be the epicenter of our spiritual growth. We ought to be able to have some repeat sermons in our whole church history life because we're so deeply rooted in the Word outside of, guess what, Sunday morning, right, everybody? You, like, you with me on that? Like, if, if that's what our walk is and that's what the richness is in that one-on-one time with Him and that Bible study time, this is just the kind of the coming together of the celebration and, and growing together on certain truths. But there's so much depth and richness even beyond this morning, beyond a week at camp. There's so much more. In that passage I just mentioned to you a few minutes ago in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, it, it's an unbelievable passage where if you've ever read the story, Elijah calls down fire from heaven because there was this famine and this drought. And he basically kicks back and is like, hey, look, all of you that are worshiping other gods, I'm going to give you like a whole day just to be able to get some fire on an altar to offer a sacrifice to him. And I think even, it, it, like, I can, if this played out today, I think Elijah would have, like, been over the side, been like, hey, man, you need some matches? Here's some really dry firewood. Just give it a shot. Like, I don't think that your God is going to be able to rain fire down on any of this because I serve the one true God. And, and, and he was so passionate. In fact, the, when, when God rained down the fire, Elijah spent hours and hours and hours trying to make it as wet as he could possibly make it. Right? Just to show people the greatness of God. See, when you fall in love with the greatness of God, it just changes your behavior. Like, you, you get so bold in areas of your life, somebody eventually is going to think you're crazy. And, if, they, and if, if you ever hear somebody come up and say, I think you're crazy, come tell me the story, and I'm just going to say, hey, welcome to the party. I've heard it many, many times. Not because of my goodness, but because of when I have moments where I'm bold in who Jesus is, he shows himself great. And, it, and if you've ever done that at all in your life, you know it too. But Elijah was bold with the people. And in and, and, and the first, well, I think it's about the middle of chapter 18, he, he, he asked this question to the, to the whole, and I mean, the, all the Israelites, the prophets, I mean, everybody was gathered there. People that worshipped other gods, they were all gathered. And he just simply said this, he said, how long are you going to waver in your minds? And, and this, is what he, this is how he follows up his own question. He says, if God is God, follow him. That's where he left it. I mean, he didn't have a mic. I don't know what he had, but he dropped something. I mean, he just, like, he left it there. He said, if God is God, follow him. And that's an adult perspective, y'all. Listen, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you know when, when it's kids, I had a young lady um, message me some um, from the camp that we taught at a few weeks ago at Caswell. And um, she, she's... Uh, it wisely, she came out of, um, in her junior year, she shared with me and Wendy uh, a, a bad relationship and um, realized that she really wasn't seeking the Lord and evidence showed itself in that relationship. So she, you know, she's gone through a year of just really saying, you know what, I want to fall in love with Jesus instead of just the next boy that comes along. Like, praise Jesus, there's a girl out there that's deciding that. I just need to be able to eventually introduce my sons to her. Um, but you know, she, she messaged us and she's talking about this, but, but, but even though she had made some, made some commitments, um, she, she really was struggling because she was like, I just, I, I'm not hearing God speak. So we had an opportunity to shepherd her and walk with her up through, okay, here's how, in fact, you are hearing God speak. Let's show you some evidence of it. Let's talk through, let's, let's share life together, let's, you know, what's going on and stuff. And, we, and, and her eyes began to open of like, okay, yes, like I am, in fact, hearing him speak. But, but, it, but it took kind of walking with her through that because, because she, wasn't, she wasn't ready for just, hey, sweetie, suck it up, right? Like that wasn't where she is. 
When, when we did our kids camp a few weeks ago, when, when, you're, when, you, when you're dealing with kids and you're talking through certain things, you really got to take your time and your energy and your effort. But, but, but you know, don't, don't, you have, don't you have moments where you're just looking at another adult and you look at them and you go, I'm not going to take that time with you because you, you got to be grown. Does that make sense? Man, and sometimes God's word just comes in to grown-ups, right? The gro- or if we're the grown-ups in the room in the building, it just comes in to us and says, hey, if God is God, follow him. If God is God, follow him. So here's, here's kind of my, here's kind of my, my close. The, the praise team's going to be coming up in a second. But as they come up, um, I, I, don't, I don't mean this rude, but just please don't pay attention to them. I mean, they're going to be setting up and doing the thing, but please, please stay focused on, on, on this. Um, I... I so we, we, I, we always want to do a great job at creating a worshipful environment. Please don't get me wrong. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not anti-church. I'm, I, I love church. I mean, it's the people that I belong to. Th- these gatherings, we're instructed to do this kind of thing out of Scripture. Um, if we neglect the gatherings like this, then, then we're not living faithfully. Like, so, so I'm not saying that that's... But what I'm saying is, as believers, to grow up in our faith, to be an adult in our faith, we can't rely, we can't let our students rely on camp to catch them up and to light them on fire. We can't let our kids do that. We can't, we, can't, we can't let that program do what we're all called to do. I know Ethan talked about that last week with just family discipleship. We can't let our Sunday mornings be the epicenter of our spiritual growth. It should, ju- it should be a come together. We all grow together. But, but if we miss a Sunday, there shouldn't be a spiritual gap in our life because of that or a few weeks for some reason, right? We, we, we get that. We really need to, we really need to live... And, and I think maybe this, will, maybe this will be a good description. A now but not yet mindset. I believe this passage is calling us to, to live in a now but not yet mindset. Peter is clear in, in, in all that eternity will be. But, but, but if we're saved, like fire insurance saved, you, you ever heard that? Like, did you, you maybe, maybe you committed to Christ in that kind of message. Because, man, some preachers have this gift to where they just get red. They get so red, I, like, you think their face is going to burst into flames. And, and people just, like, going to respond just off that. Like, I, I, we get so fearful of what, what, a, what a dark eternity could look like that, that, that we respond to this, this message of love and heaven and clouds and, and, and whatever that is, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel is there is only life through Jesus Christ because I am a dirty, filthy sinner. That's who I was born as. And, and, and I, can't li- I can't leave, in an adult perspective, I can't leave all of the divine nature and all that stuff for heaven. I can't just say it's all eventually going to show up. I've also got to live in the now. And, and we can't underperform any longer. As, as dads, as moms, as husbands, as wives, as kids, as students, as friends, as co-workers, as, as Christians, we cannot underperform any longer. Like the game has started. And Diego's getting all the answers. And it's time for us to jump in there and get some too. It all goes back to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. that's going to be the vehicle that it all fills us in and then it's going to trickle down like this passes it into the life that we're supposed to live because of who Jesus is would you bow your heads for just a second please if you don't know that you have a relationship in Jesus Christ you've heard this message and you've been like man that that sounds like a lifestyle that sounds like something that somebody has signed up for or committed to Um, yeah it is it is 
And it's freely offered to you too. The, the gospel message says, the good news about Jesus says that, 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 that God answered the, the, the eternal question and, 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 the eternal, and he paid the eternal price of our sin through the life and death of Jesus Christ. And that represented your sin and mine. Maybe not in a way that makes sense to you or I, but here's the good news of the gospel. It, it, it may not make sense to you or I, but it satisfied God's penalty. It, it met the price. And in meeting the price, we're offered that forgiveness. Jesus did not stay dead through the power of God. He came back to life. And in his life, we have new life in Christ. The Bible says that if you want to be saved, that, that, that you are called to believe in Jesus and confess Christ as Lord. That means we go to God in prayer. We talk to him about the commitment that is ready on our heart. And, and, and we, we, we confess our need for Jesus and how he is Lord. And, and, and you may have prayed a prayer. You may have been walked through something before. But I'm talking about believe. I'm talking about fully trust. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about have all your issues of life ironed out. I'm talking about you realize the weight of that relationship and the significance of if Jesus is Jesus, then I need to follow him and come into God with that commitment. I don't often ask for raise hands or, 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 or figuring out exact numbers because just creating a response scares the daylights out of me. Because I believe God's calling us to a specific lifestyle, and I don't want to celebrate something that's not real. But man, when someone really gets saved, I want to celebrate it like crazy. If you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ today, please, please, either during this last song, come pray with me, come talk to me after the service, contact one, just look for one somebody that's serving in some area and say, hey, I made a decision for Jesus today. And let them connect you um, with, with somebody that can talk to you just for a few minutes to celebrate that decision. But man, if you're in that audience today like this passage was and you know you're saved, you know you're saved, and God, I pray that the power of God's word speaks deeply into your soul this morning. Because I, as, as my heart and my life has been full over the last few weeks, I pray and I trust really because even now as I look back, I'm going, Lord, I, 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 my heart, as I hope I didn't mess it up, but my confidence is, is that the word of God is true and then it spoke to you this morning and, 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 it, and you have enough of it to leave here and meditate on and if you want to talk about it this week, let's talk about it this week. Father God, thank you so much for the grace of, of your presence, the glory of your holiness. Lord, help us, God, to just be so dissatisfied with underperforming in the kingdom, Lord, that we just we set aside anything and everything that we can. Lord, we realize that, that we can live uh, now but not yet. We can, we can live in your nature we don't have to just keep showing off, Lord, that you forgive, Lord. We could show off your holiness and how we live. And, and that's important because people need to see Jesus. And, and, and it's time that we do that, Lord. I pray that we will not continue to create um, adventure on our weekends and neglect time in your word. I pray that we won't create um, an image that gets portrayed in public or on social media. Lord, we, we won't go directions with our life and celebrate just, you know, relaxation time always and always and always but Lord we will find time that you give us to, to, to rest and enjoy our, our life but Lord our life must be about you so God if, if, if every all of our celebrations and all of our joy and all of our pursuits are absent of the gospel and, and seeing people come to Christ and, and seeing disciples made Lord help, help us 
wake and, and, and open our eyes to, to an adulting moment to say, Lord, there is more that you saved me for than this. There's more that you've called me to than this. God, that it's not, we shouldn't have fun on a Saturday, but God, there are people around us that are dying without Jesus. And, and we could just simply show them our life and the way that we act and talk to them and fellowship with them. And, and, and it's, it's inseparable, Lord, from the truth and the time that we need to spend in your word and the conversations we need to have that, that contain your word. Lord, I pray that you show us ourselves. And if there's a great absence of you in, in, in all of us, in, in our life, in the rhythms of our life, in our conversations, Lord, that you would awaken us to that and, and call us, Lord, not in, in guilt to, to, to make a rash decision, but, but to a commitment to be more faithful and just join in fellowship with someone that will hold us accountable to that. Lord, as our hearts need you, Lord, help us to have the boldness to continue to seek you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this last song together?